Hi, my name's Lou, and today I'm going to be reading the internet for you. Why? Well, why not? And today's what is going to be an exploration of the world of human pups. Now, this is a fetish in which humans, mostly men, sometimes women, pretend that they are puppies or dogs and the wonderful world in which they live. And I'll be reading from a few different sites today because although this is a very specific thing, it was very hard to find a lot of material on the topic. Before we get into that, I want to do the usual. Thank everyone for requesting magnets. I got a whole new bunch of magnets, so no more of that. Uh, I'm running low on magnets talk. If you'd like a magnet for your refrigerator or what have you, it's free and all you have to do is email me at loureads at gmail.com and I'll send you a magnet. International orders, okay. And thanks to everyone who's been liking the Facebook page. I just went over 1,100 likes, which is pretty amazing and I really appreciate it. If you're listening and you're on the social network, please feel free to go to the Lou Reads page there and click like, because when you do that, I like it myself in my heart. And also, finally, thanks to everyone who's been writing reviews on the iTunes store. It's always great to see those there. If you haven't, there are like 200-something reviews there and 1,100 likes on the Facebook page, so let's even those out. <laughs> and I don't mean by unliking on Facebook. The other thing. Anyway. Let's get right into today's delightful episode of Lou Reads the Internet for You, Human Pup Play. And the first thing we'll read is an article which can be found at submissiveguide.com, which is titled Pet Play and Human Pets, a primer, or a primer, depending on how you like to say that word. And it was written by guest author April 15th, 2009, and it goes like this. Today's post comes from Skylar Pet, a submissive pet in a D-slash-S relationship, which means dominant submissive, who volunteered to write an essay for me after seeing the weekly tips on YouTube. Thank you, Skylar Pet. She has since written another short piece specifically on human pets that you can read here. Pet play is one of the most unique, one of the least known, and in my opinion, one of the most fun and entertaining subcultures in the BDSM, D-slash-S, and quote-unquote kink lifestyle. Now, I write this from the perspective of a submissive female, so please keep in mind that it can be changed around to any form you want. Pet play involves one or more people acting as an animal, with typically the submissive being the animal and the dominant being the quote-unquote owner and slash or quote-unquote trainer. I have heard of the dominant being the animal and dominating his slash her submissive that way, such as holding the submissive down with a bite on the neck, but I am unfamiliar with this. What animals are common for submissives to be? Most commonly you will see ponies, puppies, and pigs. I myself have been a kitty and has a... I... <laughs> I myself have been a kitty and, as of this writing, am a puppy. Less frequently, I have also seen bunnies, cows, and once a seal, though I have no experience with these animals. For me, one of the biggest reasons I enjoy pet play, aside from it simply being fun, is that it reinforces the owner-slash-owned relationship. Non-human pets are owned and completely dependent on their owner. They get fed when their owner decides and only then. Their toys and medical care are wholly dependent on the owner remembering and doing. And in a 24-slash-7-D-slash-S relationship, this is oftentimes also true. The slave is fed after their owner has eaten. They wear what their owner wishes, sleeps when and where their owner tells them, and follows the rules their owner dictates. So it is with non-human pets. The only difference is that your non-human pets didn't consent. You choose them and bring them home upon your own whim. With D-slash-S pet play, the submissive consents to be the property... Ugh. 
with D slash S pet play, the submissive consents to be the property of their owner. For me, being an animal, being quote unquote less than human, reinforces my Dom's domination of me. He is a man and wholly human. I am a pup, his pup. How is the animal chosen? There are typically three ways. One way is a submissive acting upon his slash her instincts to which animal they most identify with. If the submissive is loyal and playful, perhaps they lean towards puppy. If they enjoy being led around and high protocol training, perhaps it would be pony. One other common way for the animal to be chosen is for the dominant to choose for the submissive. If S slash he prefers a puppy to a kitten, the submissive will be molded into a puppy. Another example is if the dom is a farmer who enjoys breastfeeding from his submissive, perhaps he would like her to be a cow. The submissive can also switch animals from time to time if their pet play is temporary, if they simply enjoy experimentation, or if they do not identify with one particular animal. Why pet play? One large reason many D-slash-S couples go into pet play is for the humiliation and dependence aspect. Restricting a submissive's movement and vocalizations forces them to be much more dependent on their dom. Also, not being allowed on furniture or having to use a litter box instead of a toilet can be very humiliating for some. Another is because it is simply fun. It is a great psychological and emotional release to be able to come home and let loose the restrictions of humanity and what humans are quote-unquote supposed to be like. It is just plain fun to bat around a cat toy or play tricks and get treat rewards. It could also be described as a quote-unquote de-stressing process from the rigors of daily life, especially if the participants work outside the home. It can help with submission, as taking away some parts of the submissive's humanity can help take away their sense of equality. It can help the submissive orient their mind to their dom being their focus in life. Pet play could also be used as punishment. If the submissive misbehaves badly, it could be punishment to be put out in the pig stalls with the pigs for a period of time, or whatever animal is available, and made to act like that animal as punishment. How does one engage in pet play? Restrict movement via bondage. Restrict verbal communications, perhaps only certain words or animal sounds, such as quote-unquote woof, or quote-unquote mew, or more childlike words, such as quote-unquote up, or quote-unquote potty. Training exercise such as tricks for puppies, walking on leads and leashes, or for ponies pulling a cart slash plow, eating and drinking out of bowls without the use of hands and slash or silverware, learning to use a litter box instead of a toilet, or even going outside, playing with toys such as batting toys for kitties or tug-of-war toys for puppies, beginning in the manner of the animal you identify with, such as puppy whining, caging, not being allowed on furniture without permission. Also, safety is incredibly important. So please keep these things in mind and also any others that fit your lifestyle. When it comes to eating actual animal food, while it is okay for perhaps a short scene, it is not safe to do on a regular basis. It is not safe to do so on a regular basis. Humans have different nutritional needs than animals do, and it is incredibly important to get your nutritional needs met. There are many ways to simulate animal food and treats, such as mashing up meatloaf with ketchup, <laughs> using stews, or even baking treats in the shape of bones and such. However, for any long-term play, Yukonuba, Purina, and any other brand of animal food you use are for canines and felines, not humans. If you choose to use a training and or slash shock collars, please, please read the instructions. On a personal level, I am not into electric play, but it is out there. So please be careful and safe. If you put your pup slave into a kennel, please keep in mind that they are very cramped. You do not want your pup slave to be damaged from being in that position for long periods of time. If the submissive has their ability to move and speak restricted, it is incredibly important that some form of communication is available to them so that they may communicate if something has happened and slash or gone wrong both physically and emotionally. 
Also, in my opinion, having a human pet can add some responsibility to the dom because when some of the submissive's humanity is taken away, and especially if their communication is restricted, the dominant must that much more aware of the submissive's frame of mind. So, that is a very basic overview of pet play. It can get a lot more specific if one looks at each relationship and the animals involved. A note though, pet plays sometimes can be sexual and sometimes can be completely non-sexual. As with everything else, simply depends on the couple involved. Please keep in mind that I am in no way speaking of bestiality. This is two or more human beings acting and role-playing within the confines of their negotiative relationship. Most importantly, have fun and ask questions if you want to. In my opinion, pet play can deepen submission but only if it's right for you. So, from that website, we'll go to another website by the name of PupZone.com. Now, PupZone.com is a website for masters, trainers, handlers, and pups. And their simple fact says, This is a site exclusively for men who love their pups and the pups who love them back. Leather pups, rubber pups, skin pups, bondage pups, and slave dogs. And this forum has been around for a while. It is not the most active site, but, um, you know. And the first thread we'll read is in the pupzone.com subforum trainer and pup talk. And it is in a thread started by member Rubber Pet in a thread they entitled, Help, What Sewed I Do Now? And it goes like this. My family have found out a while back that I was by. So, naturally, a Christian family said I was messed up in the head and took me to see a consular, and he said, quote-unquote, nothing is wrong with him. So, my family let me go to college. I was lucky to go to Baylor University. Now, my family wants to pull me out of college because they found out I'm still by and that I want to be a pup. And the worst part is my own father is kicking me out of my family on Monday. I may not have a home anymore. Can anyone give me advice on what to do? I'm sad, heartbroken, and just plain confused about what I should do next. Please help. And Kurama writes, OMG, baby, I don't what to say to make it better, but be strong for yourself. Can you get a job to stay in college? Maybe stay with a friend till you can get on your feet. Be sad for your family, not yourself. It's hard to do, but you can make it pause intact. I'm in PA, but I'm always here if you need to talk. Kurama slash Kerbear. And Chris Manch adds, I am appalled that people who see themselves as morally correct can treat their own child whom they are supposed to love regardless this way. It's them that are messed up in the head. I hope you can work this out and find some way to be yourself. And Scout adds, Hey pup, remember you are an adult. You can love your parents very much, but they do not have any right to say you can't go to college. You need to act like a man and step up to the drama that they are creating in your life. You need to be able to step away from that kind of drama. What? You need to act like a man and step up to the drama that they are creating in your life. You need to be able to step away from that kind of drama. You are living in the dorms now, I am assuming, right? Two options, get an apartment off campus or work for the school. RA positions most of the time pay for room. Also, you can get permission from the college to stay there over breaks, and a lot of colleges have summer jobs like orientation leader and other things that they need student help with. A lot of the time, they'll even offer you a place to stay. The situation that you are going through is unfortunate, but know there is always around a situation. Just don't let the drama that your family is starting cause you to have to drop out and hinder your future life and education. 
And Skin Pup Ranger writes, I'm curious how the family quote-unquote found out you want to be a pup. It's not something I would discuss with my blood relatives, just like any aspect of my sex life. Talking religion is treading on dangerous soil, but since you brought it up, it sounds like you and your parents conflict over it. Was Baylor your choice of university or your parents? Brackets, I suspect it was the latter. Baylor is a Baptist university, and if you think your parents are dogmatic, well... If I were in your shoes, I'd transfer to a state school. If you're married to the idea of staying at Baylor, first thing you need to do is go to the financial aid office and see if they can help you. If not, then you have to decide if it's worth taking out loans to stay. If you don't have your heart set on Baylor, then transfer to a state school. Talk to their financial aid office, even if you have to start over. Education is so important, and it's best to do it now. It took me nine years to get my baccalaureate, and it was hell because I'd had to go to work full time. As for your family, you aren't going to be able to change them, nor should you try to change them, nor should you try to change for their sake. Brackets, it's doomed to fail anyway. It's not an easy situation, but you have to put yourself first. I really hope things get better for you. And Rubber Pet adds, I found a solution. Paying for Baylor is too much. Over $25,000 is too much. It's a pervet college. I'm moving away. I'll get a job, earn money for a year for a community college and be happy with my life as to how my family found out about my life had spearware on my computer about two or three years ago they found out I've been to over 12 theopists all trying to get me to no longer be bi or into any fetish they sent me to camps that taught kids that gays were sin in the army of satin for about two to three years I lived in hell I hacked my computer so my family can't put spearware on my computer anymore and well it's sad that I have to leave my family to be happy but it's something that I have to do I have to step up and be a man, not some wimp that everyone can push around. I hope to see everyone in the future. It's going to be a long bus ride. And Zar writes, Hell, as a graduate of Baylor, that school may not be the best place for you to begin with. Feel free to message me if you want to chat more about your situation. And Dog Lucky writes, Rubber Pet, you are right to live your own life the way you want to. There are no reruns in life. You only have one chance to do the right thing. So be your own man and pup and live your life. This doesn't mean you have to stop loving your family or lose all contacts, unless that's what they want. But that's their loss, not yours. There are many support groups out there that will not judge you in any way, but be an ear to talk to, a shoulder to cry on, and hopefully even buddies to meet so you don't feel lonely. Of course, there's always Pup Zone and the caring community of pups and handlers who will no doubt support you in any way they can. You are never alone. Wags and nuzzles. And Rubber Pet replies, Thank you all that helped me out in this. I feel great that this is a great community of people and I am feeling a lot better. Thank you all again. And Slave to Rubber writes, Very sad to hear parents putting spee... Spe- <laughs> Very sad to hear parents putting speeware on their grown kids' computer. Can understand up to 16 years old. After that, trust should take over, but over 18? OMG! Sounds like a civil suit could happen with large enough amount to cover your tuition. Just a thought. And Rubber Pet replies, I paid for the computer, but I'm not going to sue my own family. They might not respect me anymore, but I'm not that kind of guy who could sue his own family. And Cyberborg writes, Sounds like typical coming out to parents drama for a lot if people. So don't feel bad. They may come around and accept it eventually, but that could take years and the pup role will always seem psychotic to them. For now, you have to chin up and strike out on your own, even if it means a clean break from parents and a Bible-thumping school. Good luck. And the last post in this thread is written by Nordolf, who writes... Hey, I had a quite similar situation as you have. Afterwards, I would say it formed my character. I was over 16 then, and my parents were very disappointed that I am in love with a more than three years older man. Well, well, about you now. Winking emoticon. Never mind what people or parents think of you. 
Somebody already mentioned that this is part of your live. On top of that, you have now the chance to approve your parents the following. One, you make your own decisions. Brackets. Well, it's not a decision to be gay or a pup, but how you life your live. But how you life your live. Two, brackets. Sorry if it's too harsh. There are more path, not only the Christian way of live, which could make your parents think of their decision on you. Three, you learn to walk on your own paws, brackets, as I did, and my parents were impressed that I am able to survive without their help. My advice, don't let them fuck you off. Let them be fucked by yours. Okay. <laughs> and we'll move from that thread to a new thread in the Trainer and Pup Talk subform in a thread started by Bull ATL entitled Handler Starting Out. And it goes like this. Hey guys, Dom here, relatively new to the kink scene overall. Good at what I do, but you know how it is starting out. However, it's a lot more difficult starting out as a Dom slash handler slash alpha than it is anything else. I don't have a trainer around here and not much luck finding one. Anybody have any tips? And Hero Pup replies, I'd agree that starting out as a handler is a very difficult path. In my experience, I have consistently found that the best handlers and trainers are those who have been pups, not to discount the legitimacy of those who haven't, but I think that the simplest and most reasonable explanation for this is that it's the surest way to understand how a trainer slash handler slash owner affects a pup and what the pup expects, desires, and needs. There are some guys out there who think that their idea of pup play is that Pup play. Okay. There are some guys out there who think their idea of pup play is the way it has to be for everyone else, and that's unfortunate. If you want to be a handler, the first thing you should do is try to understand the pup's perspective for each pup you meet. It takes a great deal of empathy and skill in reading body language and other cues because pups very frequently do not communicate what's going on in their minds in a clear verbal way. I've come to realize that in a way, being a handler is a form of subordination to the pup. It's almost as if you are the one serving him. You have to pay attention, look out for him. It's a lot like handling a real dog. Yes, you might hold the leash, but you can't just do whatever you want. It can be very demanding. And if you don't have confidence in what you're doing, the result could be unpleasant. And that confidence comes from experience. Guys who call themselves quote unquote handlers, thinking that it means they can just order someone around and reap the benefits of controlling them have a serious misconception of what it means to interact in that handler slash pup dynamic. And unknown writes, look into purchasing Woof. It can be found on Amazon. It will help clear up the differences between a type sub boy brackets or quote unquote boy spelled B-O-I and a pup and how the play is different. And Bull ATL writes, well, I'm not concerned about treating the pup as a boy or sub because that's not what I expect my pup to be. I'm actually about to collar my pup, smiling emoticon, and we're very happy. But just as he needs training as a pup, I need advisement as a trainer slash handler. I'll look into the book mentioned. And Rubber Lab Holly writes, I would like to offer some advice that would go against the previous recommendations for Woof. My handler read it at first and it actually gave him such a wrong impression of pup play that it actually strained our relationship to the point where I wondered if I wanted to be a pup more or be with him. When I asked why he wasn't interested, he told me the stuff he'd read in Woof and I hadn't realized that I sort of skimmed past the more bondage slash S&M stuff in the book because it wasn't what I wanted as a pup. Be sued to talk to your pup a lot about what he wants out of his puppy life. Some advice on a more positive note that I can give you as a pup handler, brackets, and this was something my handler had to learn fast, was that speaking to me when I'm in a puppy headspace needs to be restricted to 
yes slash no questions or things that don't need a detailed answer. I found he's asking me far too many questions involving questions when we'd be laying there with him watching TV and me gnawing on my chew toy. It's something I tell anyone that is new to interacting with pups. Keep the conversation simple to keep me in the headspace. You can vent or talk through problems. Pups are good listeners, but questions that sound like they require advice or answers get distracting. Just my two bones worth, Holly. And Clay Pup adds, that's a good pointer. Too much conversation, and I'm dragged back into two-legged headspace also. And unknown ads, that's very true. Don't want to sound like I'm hawking it, but woof taught me a lot about what it is to be a pup and headspace. It has tools and ideas for how to train pups, how to give commands, and what kind of commands to give. Remember, pups in headspace aren't like a boy. You can't have a conversation or expected to use their human voice. That jerks them out, brackets, and it's not fun being jerked out of headspace. And pop it adds, thanks, Hero, for the insight. I'm a new handler starting out, and I'm very humbled by the fact that I've never seen puppy play. And my pup is quite experienced. I'm a pet photographer, so my interactions with quote-unquote handling animals is not so much straightforward obedience as it is keeping them focused. I'd assume this might help me with my <laughs> becoming a handler, but I see, based on this thread, that I clearly need to do more research. I couldn't quite find Woof on Amazon. Who is the author? So I may narrow my search. I'm finding a bit of dearth of pup happenings, brackets puppenings, LOL, in the Boston slash New England area. I would love to find a suitable play space and start a meetup. I'm so eager to learn, but I'm making some noob assumptions. This thread has already been helpful. I hope to hear more insight. And Twitch2121 writes, Asterix barks. Well, in regards to New England stuff, there is a New England pups group. They do have a monthly lunch meet, but I've yet to go. And the only others I know to be into pup play haven't either. So no idea if it's any good. There's also the yearly NELA fetish fair flea market around February that has some pup play events during the event brackets. Though, yeah, that's a little over half a year away. There's also a one day small fair going on this coming Saturday, July 28th, though there is no listing of what events will be happening Saturday. I haven't attended either event, but both are many years running brackets meant to go to the main winter one, but personal issues kept me away. As for Wolf on Amazon, it is written by Michael Daniels. But if you want to search for Wolf and then select the erotica section under book section, it should come up as well. No idea how good it is personally, but others seem to like it. I'll know more once I've had a chance to read it once it gets here. Hope this helps. And let me know if you want me to message you any links, as I don't know if I can post links or not with my posts. Asterix wags tail. And Pup Kaiju writes, I agree with the statement on Woof. It actually turned my fiancé against pup play for a while, which made me very much a sad hyena. Take it with a grain of salt, not as the end-all be-all Bible of pup play. It seems more geared toward those who make it into a hardcore fetish, brackets, degradation, humility, as opposed to us pups who just enjoy being, well, pups. Don't get me wrong, it's nicely written, but I don't like the tone the book takes. And the final post in this thread is by Twitch2121, who writes... I finally got Woof. It's a good book, but you do need to read it and interpret it with a grain of salt. You have to realize, brackets, and the author states this in the foreword, that this is just his views on what puppy play is to him. While he does include other words and viewpoints on topics, they are still what he values in pup play. As with many things in this world, you just have to decide what it means for you. Even on this site, there are a lot of different variations on what it means to be a pup or handler, etc. It's meant as a quote-unquote, here's how I view and practice puppy play. And not as a tutorial of, this is how you practice puppy play. 
I think that is more where people go wrong with the book is they view it as, quote unquote, this is what I must do in puppy play. It's just the view and how the author practices puppy play, which is definitely from a stricter standpoint. The author clearly states he is into leather and leather pups and the leather scene tends to be really strict. So with woof, there is good information, but you do have to actually realize that it's still just the author's views on the subject. And the next third we'll read is, once again, in the Trainer and Pup Talk subforum in a thread started by Johnny Pup entitled Sex in Puppy Play, Why or Why Not? And it goes like this. I know this subject can be a bit touchy, but my curiousness as a puppy gets the best of me sometimes. Tongue sticking out emoticon. So here is my first question. Why is puppy play sexual slash erotic for some of you? What makes aroused when being in puppy headspace? Is it from being petted, touched, belly rubs, licking, anything puppy related? Second question. Why isn't puppy play sexual? What deters some of you from doing anything sexual in puppy play, even if it's just pawing off or being mounted? What causes you to not engage in sexual activities when in pup headspace? Since I fall into the second question, here's my answer. Sexual activities during puppy play break me out of headspace. I'm sure no pup ever wants to break out of headspace, even when there are times they have to. For the times I have done sexual activities, brackets, and no, I'm not going into detail. While being a pup in all my pup gear, it has broken me out of my headspace to the point where I'm not even a pup anymore. I'm just a guy in puppy gear doing sexual stuff, and that's one of the reasons I stopped doing sexual stuff in puppy play because it broke me out of that headspace and it ruins the moment what gets me into the pup headspace is once my puppy gear is on and the collar goes around my neck and clicks i am a pup and not human for time being but i am only speaking from past experiences so i'm not saying this is how pups get into headspace this is how i get into headspace and what causes the headspace to break what about the rest of you why is puppy play sexual or not sexual for you and Rubius writes, It's an interesting question that thankfully we'll never gur complete agreement on. Here's a highly subjective view. I do not devalue others' views by posting mine. Brackets just to clarify this from the start this time. Even when not explicitly sexual, pup play is sensual, for me, through nudity, for others, through second skin of latex, the smell of leather, perhaps. Headspace also helps overcome inhibitions. It is an implicit permission to go far beyond the normative influence of the rat race or the superego to open oneself emotionally, trust blindly, and be at peace, even when alone. With a handler slash trainer slash top, it becomes a rewarding cycle of benevolent brackets pup play or seemingly non-consensual brackets dog slaves power exchange which makes it easier for me at least to push boundaries endure physical chastisement and overcome hang-ups i found that when in deep headspace time flies in a serene and enjoyable manner even when just lying at sir's feet getting a few scritches now and then or managing to wrap a tongue around a toe if that leads to more shall we say penetrative acts the inner pup is ecstatic of pleasing the sir and being rewarded through pleasure. The only breaks in headspace come when I try to use human skills and fingers to maximize that pleasure. Even in pup mode, I seem to retain an inner human coordinator. The question whether or not a human sir would shag a biological dog usually doesn't come up at all in this. After all, the same distinction between human quadruped and full-fledged canine should be self-evident in many other aspects as well. Brackets, dietary and social needs, impracticality of outdoor kennels in colder climates, and so forth. Luckily, there sirs who distress or omit the sexual play as well as sirs who don't so everyone's intimate space can remain as unviolated as they need prior clarification with the partner will be helpful and should happen anyway as part of safety slash trust measures as for pup on pup scenarios i've been in those too rarely to comment smiley face emoticon 
and Trubo pup rights. To answer your first question, for me, I get turned on by how submissive I am while being in pup space. Being collared and leashed while wearing mitts and a tail plug, which is a butt plug that has a tail on it, really puts things into perspective. I know I can't get out of pup mode by myself. It's up to my master when I turn back into a boy. Until he takes off the collar, leash mitts, and pulls out my tail, I am stuck in pup mode. As far as the sexual activities go during pup play, it's all about training. I'm trained to please master in any way he sees fit. If he pats me on his lap and asks if I want a treat, I know I need to relieve him. Same goes for if he removes my tail and nothing else. Think of it as performing a trick for your master like a biological dog would, except instead of playing dead or rolling over, you're receiving him in one way or another. And Pup Kodiak writes, for me, being a pup is just that, being a pup. I can slip into the headspace at any given moment, although there are things that will certainly help. Brackets, full rubber coverage, tails, etc. It's all achievable in a quote-unquote normal state. Brackets, in human clothes, naked, etc. In any case, when in headspace, we as pups use our core instincts. We protect, we hunt, we play. We are man's best friend and companion, and at times, we mate. I am a firm believer in puppy play being a platonic lifestyle, but at the same time, if we are to live our lives as pups, then surely there is a time to mate, brackets, or be mated, asterisks. And the asterisk is at the bottom, which says, we all know that different packs have different rules, and although I do condone safer sex, I also recognize that some packs practice monogamy within the pack, and hence play naturally, or polyamory outside the pack, and hence play safe. My personal views on sex in puppy play are complex and are purely my own. As such, I don't pass judgment on others. I am more than happy to be fully rubbered, head to toe, tail in, hood locked on, and do nothing sexual at all, despite all the seemingly sexual components. Brackets, gear, plug, etc. I am more than happy to curl up on a beanbag slash dog bed at sir's feet, showing my affection in a way only a puppy can to his sirs by nuzzling, licking, pawing at, etc. without there being a sexual component. As a pup, I have many ways of showing my appreciation to my owner in whatever ways seem most befitting. I might be nuzzling. I might be nuzzling Sir's crotch. It might be licking at his boots or his face. It can be any number of things, but the bond between an owner and his pup can't be put into comparison to that of a master slash slave or even an owner slash bio dog relationship. I personally can't categorize it as a sexual or non-sexual relationship because it's both of them and neither of them. When with other pups, I behave as normal. I scope out, learn who is who, see who seems to be an alpha, beta, or omega. I interact, learn, and integrate into the circles within the circles that alphas may make it a priority to mark up a pup as part of his pack. As such, mating sometimes occurs. This is in as much as part of the canine world as is in... Oh, fuck you. This is as much a part of the canine world as it is in the H9 world. The main thing for me is to remember that this is a lifestyle in the sense that it isn't just part of my life, it is my life. I am not a pup because it makes me horny. I'm not a pup because I think it is fun to do now and again. I'm a pup because that is what is inside me. Every being has a sexual drive. For me, it is a case of moderation. I realize this post is a bit topsy-turvy and might be a little hard to grasp. If so, if anyone has any questions on my views, feel free to shoot me a message. Woof, blaze. And Bootbrush Pup writes, I am the same as Rebus. For me, the pup play headspace is erotic. As a gear pup, I am already turned on just from being in gear, brackets whether leather or rubber, or even just a simple harness. And then how can it, asterisk, not be sexual to be wearing a tail plug in your hole, rubbing your prostate with every movement? 
Even more so, the headspace of devoted submission is a highly sexually charged one. I serve my man and love him with every breathe I take. When he locks my collar on, it gives me permission to let go of my human limitations, to sink down into that non-thinking, purely emotional space of instinct and training, focused only on him and his pleasure, a headspace of pure canine devotion and grateful obedience, which is only deepened and strengthened by the love and protection and care he gives me in return as his much-loved pup. Released into that instinctive and sensual self, I become focused on scents and tastes, the heady scent of my man in his leather, the feel of the grain of his boots under my tongue, the blissfully salty sweet taste of his cock, the bliss of serving and pleasing him makes it so easy to open my body to him, to ride inside the purely instinctive pleasure of my body, giving his body pleasure and taking pleasure in exchange. But then, as a pagan, I don't carry any sub... <laughs> But then, as a pagan, I don't carry any subliminal cultural shame over sex any more than any other animal would. Sex is a purely primal and puppy part of me. Expressing it cannot snap me out of the headspace, since it is part of what connecting to my primal pup self is about. And Jersey Rubber Pup writes, For me, 100% pup space is non-sexual, although having sex as a pup is also fun. Okay, to try and sort that sentence out, I like to get my head 100% into being a dog and responding as a dog. If horny and offer another, brackets, human dog to mount, then I would do what came naturally. I also enjoy rubber brackets, as the name would imply, and I find rubber very sensual. So, for me, it is important to know if I am having pup time or rubber time, brackets, all me it in pup mode. As a result, I find it very easy to be a pup in full rubber to straight friends, as I know there will be no sexual contact or release, and they will think of me only as a pup and not as a sex toy to abuse. Hope this helps. And Rally Cat writes, I know I am barely active on here, but saw this post and thought I'd chip in. I've been getting into pup play slowly over the past few years and don't have a vast amount of experience. However, I do find that for me, pup play is a blend, a whole range of different things, which includes brackets for me, sexuality. That doesn't mean that sexual activity is in any way, quote unquote, mandatory for me to enjoy pup time. I can enjoy it with or without sex. However, I find that I'm actually far more capable of engaging in sexual activity when wearing gear and in the headspace of a pup, probably due to the shedding of inhibitions and a natural desire to please. That said, as others have pointed out here, a human master would not want to have sex with a slash real slash dog, and for me, the very concept is mentally blocked. The limit of my playfulness with some maintaining the human role is crotch nuzzling and other very basic affections. Engaging in sexuality with another pup or submitting to an alpha dog, that's very much on the cards and is something of a fantasy for me, as I've never done that as a pup yet. For me, it feels like a tool of D slash S submitting to an alpha or indeed being the top whilst under the orders of a master. Brackets still essentially an act of submission. I guess I'll stop there before I go too far into the psychology of it all, but I enjoy blending sexuality in with it all and then handing over control of that. And in the final post in this thread, Pup Boy Wolf adds, I prefer sex in pup play. I believe that it is also part of being a pup. 
Not saying that sex is the only thing, but everyone at some point gets hot and bothered and they want to have fun and get a release. That's just a natural part of life, even in pup play. Besides, I think that sex play being involved with the rest of the pup play that you do will make it that much more enjoyable. Not just sexually, but in a vulnerable, submissive way also, and also in a spiritual way. Because every pup wants to be loved by their master, and sex in pup play is one good way to show that. Besides, I believe that it can also help you submit even more to your master, especially if you and your master trust each other a lot already. Then that makes the sex in pup play that much more intimate. Then the sex in pup play is more than sex. It's a spiritual connection. And we'll move from that thread to a new thread in the Trainer and Pup Talk subforum in a thread started by Untamed Pup entitled Spending a Night in a Dog Cage. And it goes like this. I always wanted to try sleeping in one, being locked in until morning. But I don't know anyone who's done this. Care to share your experiences? It will really help me get a perspective on this. And Emery's writes, I spend each night in a... <laughs> I spend each night in a dog kennel that sits beside my owner's bed. It's an extremely comforting, safe place that feels, quote-unquote, right. However, to do this night after night, we have to take some practical matters into account. The door to my kennel generally stays open for two reasons. One, I'm a tall pup, and flexible as I am, spending an entire night curled into the cage would not be good for my back. With the door open, I can stretch as needed or hang my feet out of the kennel so I don't have to compress myself quite so much. Two, I tend to need to pee a couple of times every night, and I don't want to have to wake my owner for that. That would make for one cranky owner. So we do close slash lock the kennel door sometimes when we play together, but that's never been overnight, and never as punishment. I know some handlers who lock their pups up when they misbehave, but we don't do that B slash C. We want my kennel to have a very positive associations for me. Occasionally when I'm bad, I get banned from the kennel and have to sleep on the floor out in the hall. And Dog Catcher VA09 writes, I have had pups spend the night in the crate before. Yes, it is locked, but I always have the care nearby and they do sleep in gear. As for comfort, I find that all depends on them. Some find it a welcome turn on while some wake up stiff. So it is really on the pup when it comes to that part. I guess it is good to go to bed late and get up early, but usually the pups handle anywhere from 8 to 16 hours. And Kiba writes, As with sleeping in bondage, gear, or sleep sacks, Brackets, woof. Take it a bit at a time and work through the fits of wakefulness. Take breaks, but keep trying. If there are medical or biological conditions that present roadblocks, work them out. Sometimes pup will reach a limit here. No shame. The body adapts, and after a while, you'll find the paws, body, and muzzle sleeping in a full leather latex paws, hood, and restraints in the cage, just like the master and the community enjoys most. Dogs only private space for solitude between showing, playing, and serving master. And Cherry Husky writes... Have to say I agree with keeping the cage door open unless you have a larger cage. It's more practical because you don't want to hurt your puppy. I've taken a few short two-hour naps locked in and trained to wake my syrup when the alarm goes off. In terms of gear, I go as light as possible because when you sleep, you never realize how much you move around until you're in gear. Trust me, it took me forever to get used to sleeping with my spiked collar on. The thing is, if your dog is going to sleep in a cage, I suggest always leave them with the control. Quote, unquote, let them think they are caged, but make sure they have a way out. My sir did this by Mackig 
sure that how far in the house he could go with still being able to hear my voice over other noise. The overnight cage I use is just about my size, except for my feet are a tad too long to sleep straight, so they are making a better sleeping kennel so that myself and others can enjoy being caged. My thing is, whatever you do with your master slash trainer, always make sure it's safe slash sane slash sensual. If at any point it breaks past that, I would immediately end the fun and take a break from puphood for a few hours. And Zagadin writes, I've taken naps in one, being chained by the collar to the bars. Oh, it was bliss. And Evolving Rubber Pet writes, I've spent a night in a cage once years ago. It was a great experience, but the cage was small. I stayed in the cage the entire night, but there was a point I had to ask to have the door open so I could stretch my legs because my knees were too cramped from being bent without the ability to stretch. If a cage is large enough or you can tolerate remaining in a cramped space, long-term, then spending any length of time in a cage is doable. And Rebus writes, In my cage, I have to fold the hind legs quite elaborately to fit in properly. And doing that too often can lead to disgruntled knees and ankle joints. It tends to stay unlocked. And just as an extra safety measure, I've taken the bottom grill out. It started to sag under my weight anyhow. So if there is a fire or alien invasion, I can heroically lift and flip the whole shebang and crawl out even if it were locked. And to finish this episode up, we will move from that website to a new website known as internationalpuppycontest.com. Now, International Puppy Contest is one of many websites owned by a human pup by the name of Pup underscore Flip, who is a big fan of the puppy lifestyle. And he owns many websites, or at least is associated with many websites and has a vet life page and all that. But International Pup Contest is one of uh, the big deals. And it's happening this year, and it's not too late to enter. So I will read to you from the front page of internationalpuppycontest.com. And it goes like this. International Puppy LLC presents International Puppy Contest TM. The official International Puppy Contest for the best of the best human pups from around the country and around the world. The International Puppy Contest is four days of pupping out for the puppy, dog, trainer, handler, owner, and those that supports or wants to learn about puppy play. In addition to the International Puppy Contest, there will be a huge leather and fetish weekend event complete with puppy mosh pits, demos, dungeons, parties, classes, vendors, and more. So be sure to bring your puppy gear, your leather, or your fetish gear. The International Puppy Contest will be held at JJ's Clubhouse and Bar, 3858 Market Street, St. Louis, Missouri, 63110. July 16th through 19th, 2015. Admission is free. Parking is free. Hotel information, Holiday Inn Express, West Central End. The hotel does offer free breakfast and is a pet-friendly hotel. There are tons of places to eat close to the hotel, along with a Schnucks grocery store and CVS pharmacy just down the street. The hotel is only 1.6 miles from IPC's new home, JJ's Clubhouse and Bar. International Puppy Contest TM is a pansexual puppy contest and welcomes every human puppy, Dog, handler, trainer, owner, and anyone from around the country interested in puppy play. Okay, well, that's going to do it for that topic. What do you guys think about that? Although the forums that I read from were not heavily trafficked, you can tell the people who are into the puppy play, they're into it. This international puppy contest has a ton of history regarding the original puppy and trainer conference that was abandoned and different attempts to 
bring it back to life and then false contests that are being held or like ones that are not really doing it right as well as you know all the history of the winners and the sponsors and stuff it's a it's a whole diverse website of stuff if you're into that thing so you know normally i wouldn't give free advertising to a puppy contest make a special uh, exception for the international puppy contest if anything i did it just so that we can find out who is going to dethrone the 2015 winner which is last year's winner pup figaro who is displayed at the bottom of the page holding the international puppy 2015 uh symbol in his mouth and he's obviously wearing some leather harness I don't know if that means he's a good puppy or a bad puppy. I guess he's just the right kind of puppy to win that kind of award. All right. So human pups, kind of wacky, S&M stuff. I don't know. <laughs> I've never had a human dog. I have had a dog as a child, regular dog, but um, a canine, not an H9, as they say. It's an important distinction. Now I have no pets, human or animal thanks allergies anyway i think that's going to do it for this episode as always uh again as i said at the top of the show i have magnets let me know if you need a magnet by emailing me at loureeds at gmail.com and as always please write a review of the podcast on itunes or wherever you like to write reviews write them everywhere why not and um thanks to everyone for listening i really appreciate it and it looks like i'll be starting up improv again after quite a break this coming March, uh, which will also be the six-year anniversary of the podcast, which is also kind of crazy. But that has sort of inspired me to do another live show. So hopefully I will be having an announcement about a live show that will be a real thing instead of a live show that I never get around to doing. So uh, keep your ears and eyes posted for that. I don't know why you where else you would hear about it except for me, but whatever. All right, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Lou Reads, I hope you enjoyed learning all about your new favorite fetish, being a human puppy. And uh, I expect you all to send me wonderful photos of yourself in your puppy gear. <laughs> and I don't want to hear how much it costs, because that's your deal. Anyway, that's going to do it for this episode of Lou Reads. My name's Lou. This has been Lou Reads, the internet for you, human puppy play edition. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>